And in the same reason, region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Father God, we thank you so much that you used this angel and these angels to announce your birth, to announce the great fact, the good news, that you would come and you would redeem mankind from his sins. And God, for many of us, it's difficult to transition from the fall and Thanksgiving quickly into the Christmas season, maybe for a lot of reasons. And I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus for those who are here this morning, who with Christmas brings not memories of family and food and gifts and all of the things that may bring joy and happiness to our lives, but God, it brings the memory of something difficult, something hard, something that uh, they may not want to remember. God, I pray that you would be the God of peace to all of us. And Father God, this Christmas season, as we enter it, I pray that you would help each one of us be reminded of the big picture of why you came. And as we dive into this series, Angels Among Us, God, I pray that you would help us to be aware of the fact that you are using your heavenly hosts that you created to connect with humanity. And God, I pray that you would allow us, each of us, to realize that we are a part of that humanity. God, thank you so much for these messengers, and even more for the message that they bring. Help us to have a new awareness and a fullness in our understanding of why you used these heavenly hosts, these beings that you created. God, may it be real to us, may it be personal to us, and God, may we be able to practically deepen our faith because of this study. Be with us now. May your Holy Spirit teach us and guide us into wisdom and understanding of your word. In Jesus' name, I pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, we are in our society, in, in our day and age, in this day and age, we are obsessed, aren't we, with angels? We're obsessed with uh, angelic beings. We're obsessed with things that are supernatural. Um, 
If you take a look at culture over the, the, really the past decades, you can see just in culture an obsession that, that we have as humans with angels and with spiritual beings. Um, you see this in, in movies and in Hollywood and, and TV, widespread throughout the years. Sadly, there's a new series, well, it's new to me, I don't, I've never watched one episode of it or a five-minute clip of it, but there's a series called Lucifer, sadly. Uh, I don't even understand why Hollywood would name a series Lucifer, but I do understand that that means they have no knowledge of, of who Lucifer was and anything about angels and demons and, and these spiritual beings. But there are better examples, more pure, I guess, if you could say examples. Um, many of you, if you're over 30 years old, you probably remember Touched by an Angel. How many of you remember Touched by an Angel? All right, thank you. I didn't use an illustration that was out of date in our crowd. All right, so thank you very much. If you're over the age of 30, you get Touched by an Angel. And uh, uh, Roma uh, Downey uh, it was starred in that show, and it really was one of the things that kind of propelled her career. And I believe that God is using this lady and her husband, uh, Mark Burnett, um, really for his glory. They're starting, they're launching a, a new whole wholesome family network, Christian network, which um, will be excellent in nature. And if you've seen the Bible miniseries and many of the new things that have come out in Hollywood, uh, they're the ones that have created it. But do you realize that that show, that series, Touched by an Angel, was one of the most successful TV series of all time? Highlighting the fact that we as a culture are obsessed with angels and spiritual beings. Okay, I'm going to date myself a little bit on this one. Um, Highway to Heaven, all right? You remember Highway to Heaven? Yeah. Michael Landon, loved that guy, man. He was awesome. <laughs> Little House in the Prairie, Paul, right? That's how we most remember him, not Michael. And so Highway to Heaven, just obsessed with angels. And of course, this time of year, some of you have already watched some of the Christmas movies, and we have Jimmy Stewart who starred in It's a Wonderful Life, right? And so we have the, the, some of the most famous kind of, uh, you know, classic like movies in, in, our, in our modern culture, really the centerpiece of them is angels. And if you do a, a study on, on modern-day movies and, and, and TV series, it's amazing. I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Books, books in our day and age are obsessed with angels. Dan Brown wrote one, uh, actually the number one novel, top-selling novel of all time called the Da Vinci Code. Most of us read it when it came out. It came out about 20 years ago, believe it or not. I can't believe it's been that long. And he followed it up with, um, with the, you know, the, the kind of the next in that series um, called Angels and Demons, right? And of course, he understood one thing about angels, that our culture is obsessed and, and kind of consumed with, with angels. And he knew that it would be something that people would read. Little did he know the cash cow that would be. Hollywood jumped on the bandwagon, didn't they? They made movies out of it, and I think the third movie came out this year. And so we see in, in culture and we see in our society that we have an obsession with angels. Movies and TV shows, talk shows, a lot of talk shows today will, will, will highlight someone who has maybe uh, had a story about their interaction with an angel or an angelic being or something like that. And so our culture is just kind of consumed with it. Tweets and Instagrams, blogs and books... Religious or irreligious, our culture is obsessed with angels. The problem is, is that we 
ignore the word of God when we are studying or discussing or talking about angels. We ignore the very source of where we can learn about the truth about angels and about spiritual beings. We completely ignore the primary source. And so a series on angels is dangerous. You know how I found out about this? About six months ago, I felt, got away and it felt like God was telling me to do a whole series on angels. And in the about six weeks leading up to it, I had second thoughts because you know what I found out? Pastors don't do series on angels. Churches don't talk about it much because I couldn't find much about it. In fact, I'll be, I'll be blogging and, and on Facebook and tweeting this week uh, um, resources that you can kind of follow up with to, to go deeper and to go further in your study about the subject that are reliable, that are biblical, and I'll give you some of those um, that you can have. And so pay, you know, be on the lookout for that, be, be looking out for that. Um, but I got to tell you, there's just not much in kind of our Christian culture that's even written about it. But there are over three or nearly 300 verses or, or passages of Scripture that either have an interaction with an angel or verses about angels. So, so the Bible is just filled um, with, with stories and information about angels, and they play a vital role in the story of God redeeming mankind. The passage that I just read at the beginning of today's message is the classic passage the classic gospel message of the angels announcing God coming to earth in the form of a baby. The angels are the ones that give entrance to the Christmas story. And yet we, we ignore them and we ignore their involvement in our lives. We prove over and over again through our shows and books and discussion about angels that we're like the child who looked at his parents and said, you know, I only know the name of two angels, Hark and Harold. <laughs> we're just like that kid. I love that. Isn't that awesome? Hark and Harold. So we must learn more. If we're God followers, if we're true believers, we must want to know more about these beings that were created by God. And I sensed clearly in the lead up to this series, Angels Among Us, that um, we should be much more broad um, in our application, broad in our focus. You see, we can view and we will view the Christmas season and the Christmas story through the lens of angels. But my desire is for you to know more about their involvement in your life. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks, and we're going to be focused on examples of God's people interacting with angels throughout Scripture. We're going to explore how angels connect the unseen world to the seen world, how they connect the unseen world to the seen world. We're going to discover their role and how they assist us individually, particularly next week, so come back next week for that. We're going to discover how important their role is in the big story of God redeeming mankind. Now, just two kind of I guess, caution words, caution ideas here, buffers, if you will, that I'm going to put on a series like this. Because in a series like this, there are kind of two extreme approaches that we might have in a series like this that I think both are dangerous. And I just want to mention this as, as we get started, because constantly you're going to see me pulling us back to the Word of God, to the Word of God, and here's why. 
two extreme approaches on a study of the occult or demons or angels or the supernatural or the unseen, the spiritual world, would be this. One would be an extreme of an untamed or uncontrolled imagination as our primary source. And I believe that much of what we know about angels that's not true and must, m- many of the misconceptions that our world has about these spiritual beings really comes not from the word of God and not even someone's study of the word of God, but from our unbridled and uncontrolled imagination about these things. I'll tell you that one of the reasons that our culture is so interested in angels is because our, our culture is just interested in fantasy in general. And I got to tell you, Church, I want you to hear this, whether you're here today and you're a God believer, uh, I mean, a a God follower, a Christ follower, a God believer, a Christ follower, or if you're not, if you're a skeptic, that's fine. Like you you came to Thanksgiving to someone's house down at the beach and they dragged you to church and you're here and you're wondering why you're here. Listen, it doesn't matter either way. I I, I want you to, to know and understand that these angels that the Bible speaks of, they are real. It's not fantasy. It's anything but fantasy. It's very real. It may be unseen. But what God is doing through the heavenly host is, is, is the word that's given to them throughout Scripture. Host is very, very real and has an application to our lives. So we need to be careful and cautious not to have an uncontrolled, unbridled imagination as our primary source. Yes, God created us with imagination. And when we, we read Isaiah in just a moment, um, I believe that we can use our imagination to picture what Isaiah was trying to describe. But when we allow that to be uncontrolled and allow it to be our primary source, that's when we get away from the biblical truth about angels and about God's story. The other extreme is a predetermined skepticism about angels. A predetermined skepticism about angels. You you know, if, if we come into it thinking that the idea of these angelic beings is, is just a, a bunch of hogwash, it's just phony and it's false and it's fake and, you know, God didn't really mean an, a real being. He's just speaking in hyperbole and it doesn't really exist. If we come into it from that perspective, it can do just as much damage to our view of what angels are doing in our lives, in the life of all humans, as an uncontrolled or unbridled imagination can. And so my job over these next few weeks is to take a difficult series to put on the lens of, of what the angels were doing in, in announcing Jesus' birth and, and laying at your feet some, some points, some scriptural truths about angels and what God is doing. Some easy-to-remember scriptural principles for you to remember about angels, to really prove a few misconceptions about angels inconsistent with God's word, and then finally to give you practical bottom lines about how this can be useful in your faith walk each and every day. And I want to begin with one fact that I want you to remember, and that's this. God created all of the angels. Anytime in scripture where you see an angel referenced, you see an angel interacting with one of uh, the characters in, in the Bible, God created all of them. And Paul, when he was writing the, the letter to um, Colossians, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, wrote this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Check this out. He says this, He 
God is the image of the invisible God. Jesus, excuse me, is the invisible uh, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And verse 16 says this, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I want you to say that phrase with me. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, say these next two words with me. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Now, why in the world is that important? Well, a couple reasons why it's important that God created angels. If we believe otherwise, if we believe that angels were made up by some other way or they were just you know, conceived in some other fashion, or if we believe what you might hear in, in culture, conventional wisdom out there, scientific fact that some people may try to prove, if we believe those stories to be true, then we really are assigning a, 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 a misconception that is not biblical to God. We must begin with the foundational principle that all angels and everything that is supernatural, everything that is spiritual in nature, was, was created by God. And just a few facts from Scripture, uh, all throughout Scripture, just kind of a, a summary of a few different um, like, you know, scriptural passages I want to give you. First and foremost, all the angels that were ever created were created at the same time by God before the creation of the universe. So they were all created at the same time by God before the creation of the universe. And there are no angels that have ever been created since. Which proves one very common misconception that we have. And that is, is that when you and I die, we become angels. And I don't want to at all like make fun or, or try to like, you know, tear down something that you may have thought from the beginning of time. But when we die, if, if we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, at, at the moment of, of our time here on earth that this body is done, um, we, we actually go be with God in heaven. And we become a spiritual being, but we do not become angels. Angels are a separate creation, separate from humans that God created from the beginning of time. And so the population of angels has never increased, nor has it decreased. And while these beings are heavenly and they're unseen, God created them with certain human characteristics. He created them with a will. That's proven by Lucifer, um, who was an angel, who challenged God and wanted to become like God. And God cast him from heaven, and he became Lucifer. He became Satan. He's the one that causes all the evil in the world. This is the battle that we have between good and evil, between God and Satan, and that began with one of God's angels. And he took, he took a lot of the, the, the angels with him. And, and so you see that the, God created these angels with a will. He created them with intelligence. He created them with emotion, and he did not create them with hum, hum, a human body. They are an unseen spiritual body, but he did create them in a way that they can take on human form. We'll see that in just a moment. 
They were not created with a human body, but they created. They can. They were created so they could t- can take on a human form. Now, um, th- let's let's talk about why they were created. Well, it's very clear in this next passage from Isaiah that we're going to be taking a look at. In fact, you can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter six. We're going to be looking at this. Um, y- you can tell from this passage and from all the passages, really on angels, in-depth passages on angels, that they were created for God's purpose. And so these heavenly beings that are among us, that are among us in the unseen world, wherever we go, in every place, were created for God's purpose. They were created for his kingdom purpose. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 describes one of the the different types of angels, and there are really two mentioned in Scripture and possibly a couple others that are, that are described in Scripture but not given a name. He describes the seraphim here in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Again, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, this prophet in the Old Testament described them. Check this out, verses 1 through 7. He says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Remember that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. With two, the seraphim covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had uh, taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Now, over the course of these next few weeks, we'll come back to this passage, because it's one of the most descriptive passages about angels, specifically seraphim. And I want to just draw a couple points out here. Number one, we see that these seraphim, these angels that Isaiah describes, exist for God's glory. They exist for his work. The very first thing they do is sing what we know of today as like in in many hymns. They sing a, a song of praise and worship to God. And in fact, the description of their wings kind of points out an interesting fact. I want to point this out to you. They have six wings, right? Two are used for covering the eyes. Two are used for covering the feet. And the other two are used for flying. And over and over again in in my study on on angels over the course of these past few months and and years in the past when I've studied them, um, you you see uh, theologians who describe this as an example of of how God wants us to operate. You see, with their six wings, there were two that were covering their eyes, two that were covering their feet. They they were covering their eyes and their feet because God was so, and God is so incredibly good, and he is so righteous, and he is so holy that covering their eyes and covering their feet was an act of separation between a holy God and these beings that obviously are not perfect because they have their own will. 
And so we see with four of the six wings that these angels are, are, are giving an expression of worship to God by pointing out the difference between a perfectly holy God and the rest of us. And with two of the six, they're flying and doing the work of God. And I, I, I've read over and over again, what a great concept for us to model because God's most important thing for us is not our work for him, but our worship of him. The most important thing that God wants us to realize in our lives is what these angels in their very existence, in Isaiah's very description of them, understood, and that is worship is more important than work. In fact, worship leads us to work for God, not the other way around. I get this wrong a lot. I don't know about you. I get this backwards a lot. And these angels tell us otherwise. You see, we should follow their example. We should follow their example of using our lives, using our, our work, using students, our study, using all of us, our bodies, to give glory to him. And so often we get it wrong because we want to work so hard for him. And so we see that these angels are working for him. These ones who are among us are working for him. But today, what I want to, where I want to end up today is a story that is very familiar in the Old Testament about angels interacting with people. Because where I want to lead you today is to an understanding that angels exist, that they were created by God, that there is an unseen world, and that the unseen world does have an impact on our world. We have to begin, first and foremost, with an awareness that that exists. Genesis 18, I want you to take a look very quickly at the story of Abram and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. And we know the story well. In fact, in our last series, we were studying Hebrews chapter 11, and we studied uh, about Abraham, one of these great men of faith, one of these men who had great faith in God and left everything he knew to pursue God. And then he, he, he went up on the mountain because God told him to, and he told him to sacrifice his son, and he was ready to do that. And he had such great faith, and he was the father of these, this nation of Israel. And, and we see here that God used his agents, these heavenly hosts, to begin the process of explaining to Abraham and his wife Sarah that he was going to use them in a mighty way. Check this out. Verse 1, Genesis 18. And the Lord appeared to him, talking about Abram, by the oaks of the um, marm, and, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men. I want to stop there for a moment. In this passage, it's clear that he's talking about angels. But in this passage, we see that the angels take the form of a human because the words that are used in the original language literally mean human form. And they were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth. And he said, oh, Lord, he recognized immediately that this wasn't just an encounter with a man, that this was something of God. If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet, he says, and rest yourself under the tree 
while I bring a morsel of bread that you may uh, refresh yourself, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do, as you have said. And Abraham went to his wife, and they together began to prepare something for these three men, these angels, okay? Skip down to verse 9. They looked at Abraham, and they said, where is Sarah, your wife? These three angels. She's in the tent. The Lord said, I surely return to you about this time. I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. I love how delicately that is said, okay? All right, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my, my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say that I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And these angels, these ones who came to give this great message to a great man were used by God and broke from the unseen world into the seen world to deliver the message. Listen, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, because we often miss this. To deliver the message about the birth of Abraham and Sarah's son, who ultimately would lead to the line that ultimately Jesus, God's son, would come from. Isn't that incredible? The scarlet thread of history announced by the angels all the way back at the beginning of the story in the Old Testament, not just on that night when God said, go to the shepherds and announce what I'm doing in redeeming history. And so we see the grand picture in the story, but I want you to capture the personal picture. Because in God redeeming humanity, in God using his angels to interact with humanity, and God breaking the veil between what is seen and what is unseen, God wasn't just speaking to humanity in general. He was doing it personally with you and with me. And I believe the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13 reminds us of what happened to Abraham that day. In Hebrews 13 verse 2, the writer says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That's what happened to Abraham that day. When he began to entertain and to serve food and to lay out water and to bring relief to these angels, he was entertaining God's Servants, unaware. Over the next few days, I want to challenge you to increase your awareness of when God may be using circumstances in your life and surrounding your life. And God may be using his beings, his angels, to impact your life. I want to tell you a story that gives me chills to this day. A few weeks ago when I was writing this message and I was focusing on Genesis chapter 18 of the story of Abraham and Sarah and the promise that God made 
through his servants. And right about the time I was finishing up with Hebrews chapter 13, um, I was spending some time in Savannah getting away uh, to do that. And uh, I was at a Starbucks in downtown Savannah writing this message, and I had been there for hours and hours and hours. And as I'm writing this, all of a sudden, three clearly homeless guys walk in to the Starbucks, and they sit right down next to me, just about as close as a human being can comfortably, almost comfortably, sit next to another person. And I was about ready to wrap up my time, and so my initial reaction was to close my computer, to stuff it in my bag, and to get on with life and get back to Hilton Head. And I realized, I don't know, maybe these are the angels unaware that God's sending me right now to teach me a lesson. Now, I grew up, I grew up in like suburban Atlanta and, and Florida, but Cynthia and I spent two years in New York City, in one of the largest cities in the world. And I should easily have, like, not let these guys bother me, okay? Like, if you live in a city, you're proud to be a friend of the homeless, right? But here they come in and they sit next to me, and I got really uncomfortable. Maybe it was the way they smelled. Maybe it was the way they looked. Maybe it was the way they acted, but I realized in that moment, whether they were God's messengers or not, in that moment, I learned a lesson that we never know when God may be using his servants, his messengers, to lightly or in an extreme way teach us something that will deepen our faith. And that's the whole point is for you and I to have an awareness that God is at work. That there are going to be times that he breaks the veil between what is seen and what is unseen. And over the next few days, my challenge to you is to make note, to look for those times when in the course of your week or your day, you may sense, man, I was just protected. I just had an, a, an interesting encounter with someone that I can't really make sense of. God caused me to change my behavior from a potentially sinful thing to a potentially righteous thing, and he used some unusual circumstances. God is at work. If he was at work with Abraham in the Old Testament, he can be at work with you. And God didn't just use his angels to announce his good news but he uses it in your life and mine. We just need to be aware. See, an awareness of the existence of angels among us reveals God's work in the unseen world and the effect that it has on the seen world. Be aware. Look out for. Don't let things go unnoticed. If it's rooted in God's word, it's true. If you compare it to God's word and it's not, then it wasn't true. But it very well could be that you and I entertain angels unaware and we never, ever know it. Be aware. Take note. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be aware of when you are using your heavenly host to teach us, to guide us, 
as we're going to talk next week, to protect us. God, I pray that you would give us a full awareness that there is a spiritual world around us in this room, in this place, in our homes, in the car. There's a battle going on that is unseen between good and evil. And God, interacting and being a part of what you're doing begins with us being aware of what you're doing around us. And Father God, whether it was a few homeless men in my life who sat next to me one day in a Starbucks a few weeks ago, or whether it's someone here in this room that's headed for a sure disaster, and something or someone intervenes to stop that from happening, or whether it's something that prompts us from a place where we're about ready to go down a disastrous, sinful, disappointing path, and all of a sudden we change our course. God, you are working through your agents, through your representatives, through your heavenly hosts, the angels. And God, while we don't worship them, while they are not perfect like you are, God, we recognize they were created by you, and we recognize that sometimes they break the veil under your authority to interact with us. Help us to be aware of the work that you're doing in our lives. God, may we not think that it's some kind of imaginary thing. If it is in your word, it's true, and I pray that you would help each one of us to check ourselves by your word. And God, then may we have this perspective and this glimpse and this view and the lens of these angels, these beautiful heavenly beings that you used to announce that you were coming to this earth. God, that Christmas time was ushered in by your representatives. And God, may we continue in that spirit, just like them, of announcing what you were doing through Jesus, what you were doing by saving the world, by taking on human form. God, this Christmas, may we realize that there are angels among us. And may you help us to have a full awareness of what that means in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.